Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about what we hope isn't a problem on your farm, but it could be corn rootworm resistance. The first documented case that we know of in the world happened in the very same section we are doing the radio show from today in the Morton studio. Uh, so we didn't have rootworm resistance in the Morton studio, but we, but we had it about, uh, we didn't have it, but a neighbor had it about a half a mile away. And this was almost 10 years ago now. It took three years, three years for the USDA and uh, South Dakota State University and the other agencies that were involved to officially confirm, yep, that was rootworm resistance. They had to grow the rootworms out and find out, oh, this is a next generation resistant and everything else. So anyway, this has been going on for a long time. It's just, it feels like it's gotten to be a really big deal, not just here in South Dakota, but almost everywhere where corn, the corn rootworm traits have been used. So we'll talk about how to solve corn rootworm problems on your farm. As always, if you've got any questions for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's happening on your farm, you can certainly give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. Okay, I think we're going to get right into the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, uh, we were talking wheat herbicides here just the other day and got a wheat herbicide question here from Larry. So we are down in southwest Arkansas. We're ready to plant winter wheat here as soon as we get some moisture. Been using Zidua so far for winter rye control, and it's been okay. Below is what the extension is recommending, and it doesn't include Sharpen. Just wondering, is there a better combination out there than Zidua and Anthem? Do you like prowl on wheat with soybeans following? So the program at the bottom, it said this includes tillage, uh, incorporating herbicide, uh, killing the first flush of ryegrass, followed by sequential program of Axiom, Axiom plus prowl, Zidua or Anthem Flex in the fall, followed by Axio Bold in the spring. Well, you're going awfully fast. Uh, okay, Z- here, I'll just a- Axio plus, or Axiom plus Prowl. Prowl, yep. And then what was the last thing? Zidua. Zidua or oh, Anthem. Anthem Flex. Okay, yeah. so same same thing. Yeah, well, first okay, of all. Yeah. Well, for the residual I, part, anyway. Yes, for the residual part. Okay, so first of all, for everybody listening, let's clarify Anthem Flex, not Anthem Max. We're talking Anthem Flex. That's the wheat herbicide. What that's got in it is the same exact active ingredient you'll find in Zidua. That, that's a group 15, okay, similar to what Harness, Surpass, Dual, and Outlook would be. So anyway, it's the only group 15, by the way, the only group 15 active that's labeled for wheat. Anthem Flex contains that active, plus it has AIM. And AIM has no residual. It's just a burn-down product, mainly for broadleaf weeds. So, okay, so here, I'll give you that back. So what, what, was, the, what was the question? Well, his question is, is there a better combination pre than either using Zidua or using the Anthem Flex? 
Where did where where was I thought you said something about sharpen. What, he what said he said sharpen? their recommendation does not include sharpen from the extension. Okay, well so, sharpen so is using, just a broadleaf product. So right. if you had broadleaf issues, like let's say it's kochia, water hemp, or something like that, then by all means put sharpen out there. But if we're just talking about how to kill grass, then that's where we got to use the grass herbicides. So. Is having a group 15 out there a good idea? Yes. Could you also put out something else that might give you a little bit of activity? Sure. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we like the, the Zidua or Anthem Flex. That's fine. Our concern, when you start talking about Prowl and Axiom, so it gets really hard on stuff. I, I just I don't know why you would do that to your wheat. So I would never use Axiom or Prowl on my wheat. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, if you're desperate to, to kill this grass and you have no other option and you're like, well, Prowl's the best thing and, and nothing else works even half, halfway as good, um, that's fine. But just understand that most likely Prowl or Axiom is going to ding up that wheat and hurt the yield, in my experience. Yeah, and resistant ryegrass, um, they're seeing multi-herbicide resistant ryegrass. Mm -hmm. That's that's the thing, and I know a lot right. of times we kind of panic on, oh, no, we, we can't control it. Well, we're maybe going to have to change the crop rotation up a little bit. Like uh, I know this email kind of mentions just trying yes. to burn through that uh, seed bank and reduce that along the way, and I totally agree with that, that, yeah, let's get that seed bank reduced, but maybe there's some other things that we can do. Maybe there's cover crop that could be utilized in this. Maybe we change up tillage maybe or cover crop Why? to choke it out. What, what do you need a cover crop get for? Raise an actual crop. How about raise an actual crop? Well, I understand that, but we're talking about Arkansas here, Brian. Yeah, so raise two raise, crops then. Okay. Well, double crop might be the answer then. Yes. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, if it... Okay, so when we're we're talking winter wheat, a lot of times guys are going to follow that with soybeans next spring and then or summer. And then the following year, if let's say you went corn and I mean, let's even say you went corn a couple of times. Can you do this and end up killing any of your grass? Absolutely, because you could just go out there with Roundup. I mean, in any of these Roundup crops, let's not forget a lot of people are bashing Roundup. And I understand there are a lot of weeds that are resistant. But most grass species are not. So if you can raise any type of Roundup crop. This is crop, ALS and ACCA's resistant I, ryegrass. No, so. I understand that. And I'm that's where I'm saying you get to a crop where you can use Roundup or something else. Great. Because like, for example, in soybeans, if I can put a yellow down safely and I'm perfectly comfortable using a trifluralin or a prowl in soybeans, then I can follow with a graminicide and Roundup. I mean, I've wiped out all my grass. So then we don't have to worry about it. You know, a dead weed can never become a resistant weed. That's what we always talk about. So, yeah, rotation might be the best, but otherwise we have nothing better to recommend than Anthem Flex Residual. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. 
Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. It came on a night like any other, with power unlike anything else on Earth. Using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrone, Acuron GT post-emergence corn herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology, enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. If we only had 20 words to talk about AgBiome, we would say we are agricultural innovators focused on unlocking the power of the microbial world to deliver unique, effective crop protection solutions. If we only had five words, we'd say learn more at agbiome.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're talking corn rootworm resistance. Man, this brings out all the entomologists. Uh, we've got Eric Rebeck with FMC to talk about this first. Man, we're right in your wheelhouse, Eric. How you doing? <laughs> Very good. Thanks for having me on the show again. You bet. All right, so corn rootworm resistance. I know for a lot of farmers, they're like, man, just bring me a new trait. Bring me a new trait. Uh, I'll use the trait. Well, guess what? Every trait out there is having some issues. So uh, we're looking for some help on corn rootworm. How do we overcome this resistance issue? Yeah, um, so there's a number of options, of course. And this is one of those pests where it's going to take uh, truly diversified management approaches. Um including continuing on with crop rotation um, where possible, um, using soil-applied insecticides um, with non-BT traded corn, it, it, that's a key. Um, and then also the effective use of uh, refuges, whether that be in, you know, refuge in, refuge in a bag or using a 20% a or a 5% um, structured resistance, or sorry, refuge built into the crop. Hey, speak about the refuges. I, I know I've, I've talked with a number of folks who've said, I hear that that might change going forward, the percentage of refuge in the bag. Have you heard anything about that? Um, well, I think right now they're, they're roughly around a 10% uh, rate, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, on those refuge in a bag. Um, and yeah, I do believe there's some, some talk about increasing that percentage. Um, kind of similar to what they're talking about with the 5% refuge in a structured situation, that not being enough, um, getting closer to that 20% is ideal. So yeah, I think they're talking about um, definitely increasing that percentage of refuge in a bag. 
Okay, you mentioned insecticides, and and yes, this is Eric Rebeck with FMC. So you're 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 you have to talk about capture, but I want to put do, a little yeah. I want to put Here a little go, twi- right? I want to put a little twist on it though, Eric. Talk to All us right. talk to us about the Thrive system. Is that going to sure. increase control? Because I've got a number of farmers, including us on our own farm, who have Thrive systems, and I realize it's not a majority of the market out there, but turning that insecticide into a foam increasing our coverage, I think that's a good thing. And I, I also hear farmers that say, okay, I use Capture LFR. I'm not listening to anybody that says five gallons. I'm putting 10 gallons or more to try to spread it out, and I'm seeing some differences there. What do you see? You get to work with all this stuff. What What's the best way to utilize these products? Well, um, both ways are um, exceptional. Um, they provide exceptional coverage of uh, soil-dwelling insects, including corn rootworm. Um, whether that's the um, LFR or the 3D um, uh, formulation of either capture uh, or ethos. So really it's, it's, um, it's whether or not, you know, it, it's your choice of which system you, you'd want to use. And of course, the advantage, of course, with that Thrive 3D system is less water. Um, so you get more water efficiency. Um, it's, it's more precision planting. Um, so it kind of falls in line with the you know, a better environmental ethos, if you will, um, with that precision um, agriculture technology. Um, but, but it does maintain that same amount of control that you can get from the LFR formulations, the liquid fertilizer ready formulations that we carry as well. Okay, then last question for you. Adult corn rootworm beetles, man, they were thick this year uh, in so many yes, different areas. What's, what's yeah. happening there? I know you're working on that, trying to find some products that last longer and work better. Uh, yeah, so um, we do have two products that um, that I would recommend. Um, first of all, kind of the tried and true Mustang Max, which is your uh, blend of pyrethroids. But then we also have um, um, the o- the only Group 22 insecticide um, in Stewart e- Steward EC. Um, that's another adulticide that we can apply for adult rootworm management, um, either at the six or ten ounce rate, and you can get up to about three weeks or better of um, of residual control of those beetles using that uh, that steward EC product. Yeah, I know our listeners who have had some major problems have had some really good luck with that product in terms, like you say, they they don't all emerge on the same day. So having something that no, sticks they around don't. is a good deal. Absolutely. Uh, we're talking with Eric Rebeck here with FMC. Uh, anytime we get one of these big insect issues, Eric, we love to <laughs> love to talk to you a little bit. We really appreciate having you on today. Thanks. Hey, yeah, pick my brain anytime, guys. You have a good day. You bet. You too. I uh, got Dan Kohler with us right now with the Cal Basgro. And Dan, uh, you know, we talked about rootworm resistance here and it's one of the things if we see resistance to bts uh if we see any resistance or or just insecticides that aren't working as well it makes guys nervous but we've got brand new traits coming out too that can be part of this solution uh so thanks for joining us today dan hey thanks for having me so what did you see out of smart stacks pro this year i know you got to look at a lot of fields in in a lot of different areas and and different levels of rootworm pressure just your observations from this season yeah sure so yeah i've looked at smart stacks pro you know our our new product with the new rnai mode of action coming for two years now under heavy pressure and it's very effective and you're right we did see a lot of you know corn rootworm pressure uh, very high pressure this year. You know, we haven't had much help from Mother Nature the last uh, couple of years. 
And, you know, growers that weren't quite, you know, intensely managing for the insect, um, we had some issues, except ex- especially in what we call trap cra- trap crop scenarios. You know, that's where I, you know, I seen most of the issues where, you know, you, you got a lot of corn on corn in an area and then you get the, you know, the insects will migrate to what the latest silking corn and then that's where they lay their eggs. And in just one year, you could have a very high population that overwhelms these technologies. Yeah, these high-pressure situations are, are really a problem, and they've got to take a bite out of the root to take in this BT. Talk to us a little bit about the RNAi. How is it different than a BT, and, and how does it work to control uh, corn rootworm? Sure. So like SmartStacks right now, the dual mode of action product that's on the market has two BT uh, modes of action where they bite the root and it disrupts you know, inside the gut, you know, eventually killing the insect. Now we have the RNAi mode of action So with SmartStacks Pro. So essentially we got the two BT modes of action with the new RNAi mode of action, something the insects have not, never seen before, and it, inter, it interferes with the production of a protein. So, you know, without that protein, the in, insect's eventually going to die. So um, you got three modes of action in SmartStacks Pro, the two BT that we currently have on the market in smart stacks um, with the addition of that new um, RNAi mode of action, which is very effective. With farmers looking at, at issues out in fields, and how do we tell if we've just got heavy pressure or if we've got resistance coming up in our fields? Well, I think when I see populations like I've seen this year, obviously we must have um, you know, resistance going on and growers who understand they got a problem, they grow a lot of corn on corn, you know, they've used the dual mode of action traits like in smart stacks. Um, they've used soil applied insecticide. They've layered it with soil applied insecticide and they're using, you know, management tactics and tools like uh, controlling adult um, beetles, you know, visiting those farmers this year, they had them under control, but it took a lot of management and, you know, the growers, who, where we had issues, you know, they just weren't managing that in te- intensely, you know, and the populations got out of hand. And so I, I think if we don't get any help with, you know, Mother Nature going forward, um, you know, where we have some harsh winters or we have some Junes where we have a lot of moisture, um, it's an awful lot to ask to rely just on the traits, especially if you're going to be going corn on corn on corn year after year. I think we're going to have to be using some soil plant insecticides. We're going to have to be using other techniques such as, you know, managing the corn worm beetles to stay on top of this pest. I agree. I, I look at it a lot like weed management. You wouldn't try just one mode of action one time against pigweed, but that's what a lot of guys are doing on rootworm. we got to take this thing serious for sure. How big a yield differences did you see this year, Dan, where, where it was managed well versus where it wasn't? Um, to be honest with you, I have not followed up and actually taken anything to yield at this point. Um, you know, I have to imagine some of those areas where we had a lot of rootworm feeding and we were in the drier areas, you know, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we're talking 20, 30 bushel yield hit. Yeah, you're, you're right. We got all those weather things that come into play, too. And if you compromise that root system, now we just have lower likelihood of taking up the nutrients in the water that, that those crops need along the way. I've been talking with Dan Kohler here with the Cal Basgro. Dan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. You bet. We're talking about corn rootworm resistance on today's show and how to best management manage it on your farm. We're also taking your calls and questions at 844 844- 
44 Ag PhD. Stay tuned. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back. We're tackling the big issue of corn rootworm resistance, but we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can email us here in the Morton studio, radio at agphd.com. Let's continue the discussion here on rootworms. We've got Nick Tinsley with us right now with BASF. Nick, thanks for joining us. Hey, Darren and Brian. It's great to be with you here this afternoon. It's amazing how many shows we do, Nick, where we're talking about resistance to something, whether that's a herbicide or a fungicide or an insecticide. And and here we go. We got corn rootworms 
that are increasing in resistance to BT products. Uh, what are some of the things that you're talking about? What are some of the things that you're working on to, to try and help with this problem? Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. In ag, we've been blessed with a lot of great technologies, and, um, you know, we, we've used them a fair amount, and, and we always see resistance. And so one of the things that, uh, you know, I like to talk about with corn rootworm is this idea that, you know, we've been using the traits for a long time now, since around 2003 uh, for corn rootworm. And over time, steadily, we've seen a, a level of resistance start to tick up, especially in areas where we've got a lot of continuous corn being produced. So growers really need to consider this pest uh, and, and how to manage it moving forward in an era of resistance. You know, you mentioned these new technologies, and it seems like the same thing on the crop protection side where we're talking about herbicide resistance, that uh, talking to growers are like, man, we used to outrun these problems with there'd be a new product coming and a new product coming, and maybe we didn't have to change how we were doing things so much, just look for that new product. But uh, we were just talking with uh, Dan Kohler and Eric Rebeck, and they're both saying, man, we need to hit this thing from about five different directions, just like we're doing with pigweed and all these other challenges on the farm. That's exactly right. You know, I, I think all of us get a little complacent uh, when we're using tactics that work uh, really well. Um, but with corn rootworm, you know, all is not lost, right? It is an extremely important insect pest, especially in the northern U.S. You know, it causes some estimate around a billion dollars of, of yield loss every year. And, and you know, not to bring up inflation, uh, but that estimate was from the mid-1980s. And so certainly an estimate of $2 billion um, you know, might be more appropriate. But there are a number of tactics in the toolbox, including crop rotation, um, insecticides, and things that we can throw at this insect that can really make a difference. Now, you mentioned uh, crop rotation, insecticide, and, and uh, honestly, we've been talking about not just insecticide at planting time, insecticide post-emerge, too, to try and control any adults. When we've got a big year like that, like we had this year in many areas with adult corn rootworm beetles, I know that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have more of a problem next year, but it sure gets everybody nervous. Yeah, you, you start to see these uh, insects hitting your windshield, all of a sudden it kind of sparks us to, to look up and, and pay attention. You know, spraying for adults is, is certainly possible, um, and it does require some careful scouting. You know, if you spray too early, you might not get the females that are emerging later to lay their eggs. And if you spray too late, some of those females may have already laid their eggs, and at that point the damage has been done. So it's really um, excellent to think about what we can do next year uh, to set the stage for success, right? Because there's no rescue treatments. Once you put that seed in the ground, um, you've made your management choice and, and you know, you're going to have to live with it. So um, having a proactive approach is really uh, probably the best way to get a handle on this insect. Yeah. When, you know, it all starts as you're planning on what you're going to do and, and crop rotation certainly comes into play here as well. If, if there's a shot, you can rotate away from corn and boy, it's, it's hard to think you're not going to be profitable when the soybeans are $13 or something like that. But uh, when, when you look at some of those options, that's good. And then the, the one that I've seen that was kind of interesting this year, there are a lot of guys doing foliar fungicides, trying to manage tar spot and, and some of these other big problems we've had on the fields, man, what a great time to put insecticide in on the same pass, save a trip, and and uh, catch another problem that's taken our yields. Yeah, you know, it's it's certainly possible if you, if you can time that right. Um, 
and and then even thinking about next year, you know, things like um, things that growers maybe haven't considered in the recent past with lower populations, like adding a seed treatment, like, um, you know, for example, BSF has Poncho Votivo. And when that's applied at that rootworm labeled rate, it can really go a long way to help to provide some extra protection in areas where maybe that trait isn't working as well as it was when it was first launched uh, back in the early 2000s. So, again, a number of things growers can do uh, to start thinking about, um, you know, how, how they're going to manage uh, what an important insect uh, it is, you know. Well, I've been talking with Nick Tinsley here with BASF. Nick, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Hey, it's been my pleasure. And if growers want to learn more, I just encourage them to visit ponchovotivo.com. Thanks a lot, Darren and Brian. You bet. Thanks, Nick. All right. When it comes to corn rootworm issues, here are our three biggest suggestions. Number one, SmartStacks Pro. Now, you don't have to go this direction if you don't want to. You can just do the couple other things, but I'm going to list out the three things where if you say, look, I got a disaster, I absolutely have to do something, and I want amazing control, you do these three steps, you got virtually 100% control, and you're also going to reduce future pressure. So that's another important thing that I don't think many people talk about. For years here at Ag PhD, we have thrown out this concept of if you aren't managing your insect populations each year, they are then going to continue to grow for future years. And all of a sudden, people go, I don't know, I've never had a problem before, and now I have a disaster. I'm always a little skeptical saying, are you sure you never had a problem? Or were there always some there? The population's been building for a couple years. It just wasn't disaster for you. Well, now absolute disaster strikes, and this is the first time you've really noticed it. In my opinion, that's usually what's happening. Okay, so anyway, I'm going to say SmartStacks Pro, and here's the reason why. Because not only do we have the BT there, we also have this RNAi, this interference of the production system in the rootworm that creates a protein that helps that bug basically survive the BT, okay? So when it doesn't have that protein production, now the BT kills it for sure. Step number two, insecticide. I would suggest if you're doing SmartStacks Pro, just use Capture. It's reasonable in price. It's good, okay? Now, if you want great control on rootworms, I'd suggest if you still want to stay liquid, go to Index. Granted, it's going to cost twice as much money as Capture, but if you want great control, that's what you got to do. You could also switch over to Dry, going Force, or Aztec. Either way you go, or any way you go, Index, Force, Aztec, you'll get 5 to 10% better control than you will out of Capture. All right, maybe 15%, but I'd say 5 or 10 on average. All right, so step number one was SmartStacks Pro. Step number two, use insecticide at planting time. Keep in mind, there is no rescue treatment for rootworms. All right, then step number three is what a lot of people have referred to over the years as bug bombing. In other words, at tassel time or around then, as soon as you see the corn rootworm beetles show up, you go kill them with a pyrethroid insecticide. Costs you like 2 or $3 an acre for the insecticide. The key there is you cannot wait. You can't say, well, I think more bugs are going to show up here in another week or so. No, no. As soon as you see corn rootworm beetles out there, you go spray, like literally that day. The reason why this is so important is you do not want those beetles mating and laying eggs. Once they've laid eggs, well, now you get a problem for the next year. And you, you accomplish nothing 
by killing the beetles. You got to get them before they lay their eggs. All right. So we've talked about all this and you might say, well, I'm solving my problem with crop rotation. Are you? We aren't on our farm. I can promise you that. And here's the thing. This rootworm deal was an issue back when we had two or three dollar corn and when we were getting 150 bushel yields. Well, today I, I just looked at market price for new crop 2023 corn locally here and I can get almost six dollars for next year. If I can get 250 bushel corn, that's fifteen hundred dollars an acre I have to protect. If rootworms take five percent or ten percent of the away from me, that's a bad bad year i mean granted i might still make money but i could have done so much better if i got those rootworms under control so don't think that that uh, first year corn oh that's going to solve all my problems in a corn soybean rotation like in our area when it's 50 60 70 percent corn around here there are lots of rootworms even in the first year corn we'll talk just a little bit more about corn rootworm and get back to the ag phd mailbag right after this what's new from new farm Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Greg Souter, 360 Yield Center. It can seem like fall anhydrous is the cheapest and easiest way to supply nitrogen, but the cost of loss fall applied nitrogen can easily be $15 an acre. Shift that in application to the planter so that you know your nitrogen is at the right place at the right time to feed that growing crop. Then come back at V10 or 12 and apply just what the crop needs to finish strong. It never pays to save pennies and lose dollars of yield potential. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. 
Active Ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today talking corn rootworms. We're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute. Before we do, just to wrap up on this corn rootworm thing, I was saying before the break, if you're thinking that rotation is solving your rootworm problem, I'm not saying that it doesn't help. Okay, It does help. But what I am saying here is when I look at a lot of areas that are raising corn, they're rotating with soybeans, and let's face it, who are the, what are the neighbors doing? They're also rotating corn, soybeans. And a lot of people, because of the corn price lately, have been planting just a few more acres of corn than beans. So is it possible it's 55 or 60, 60% corn in your area? It might be. And if so, just think about this. Even if you raised soybeans this year, around you, it was all corn, chances are. Where did the rootworm beetles lay their eggs? There are many rootworm beetles now being found out in soybean fields laying eggs there. This is one of the reasons, too, why we talk about spraying insects in soybeans. It's not just for bean leaf beetles and soybean aphids and stink bugs and all that kind of thing. You also have to think about if there are corn rootworm beetles flying out in my bean field, they're not just there for fun. They're not on vacation and they're heading back to the, the cornfield. They're there for a purpose. It's to lay eggs in your soybean field. And next year when you rotate to corn, guess what? Those beetles and their eggs, uh, they did their job. And now all of a sudden you got a rootworm problem in your corn. I want to come back to what I said before about just thinking about next year and potential income. And so when I look at it on our own farm, I'm really hoping for 250 bushel corn. I'm assuming we're going to get normal rain again instead of having another year of drought. And our yields are still pretty good despite the drought, but we didn't get 250, and that's my goal for next year at a minimum in a lot of our fields. Well, 250 times six bucks is $1,500. Corn rootworm in the past has been shown to hurt yields 5% to 15% very, very commonly, in some cases worse. So if I figure even on the lowest possible side at 5%, assuming it's first-year corn, I still think in our first-year corn we're getting 5% yield loss for rootworms if we don't do something. Well, what's 5% of $1,500 an acre? It's $75 an acre, and that's on the low side. So I'm just saying it's worth doing something there. You don't have to do all three steps we talked about, SmartStacks Pro, plus insecticide at planting time, plus insecticide at tassel, but I'd at least probably do a couple. Even that insecticide thing at tassel, not enough people, in my opinion, are taking advantage of the fact that they're out there already spraying fungicide. Insecticide costs 2 or $3 an acre. Even if you want to step it up and go to capture or brigade or something, I, I, I mean the generic, you're going to spend 5 or 6 bucks. I mean, you can kill a whole bunch of bugs that will hurt your corn this year. But then the thing to keep in mind is if we can stop some of these beetles from laying their eggs for next year, that's a big thing. Now our pressure is that much less. Oh, one other thing. when you, you, Because you might ask, well, why in the world would I use a planting time insecticide if I'm already using SmartStacks Pro? And SmartStacks Pro pretty much for sure will 
kill 100% of my rootworms. Well, two reasons why. Number one is in order for the rootworm to die, it doesn't just get near the SmartStacks Pro and smell it and go, oh, it, this stinks. I'm, I'm going to die right now. <laughs> it has to take a bite and, and usually multiple bites out of that root. Well, if you have massive heavy pressure, then you're still probably going to have a little bit of yield loss there, in part from the root feeding, in part because there will be disease that goes into that plant every time that a, a bite gets taken. Or at least there's the potential that that could happen when the plant's opened up. So that's why insecticide's important, reason one. Reason two is there are a lot of other insects out there that the BTs don't control. White grubs, wireworms, seed corn maggot, seed corn beetle, and a whole bunch of others. So getting control of all those is really important as well. Okay, so anyway, we've talked about corn rootworm here for the last half an hour or so. I just I, I, I just want to stress to you the importance of this. And where a lot of people think they have a problem or when they finally realize they have a problem is when they see lodging and it's usually at harvest time. They go, oh, my corn fell over and I now, now I figured out I have a rootworm problem. Okay, rootworm is not very easy to scout for. I'll be honest, even it, it myself, in my whole life, well, I have not, not done a lot of rootworm. It's not that it's not easy. It's just, it's no fun either. <laughs> well, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. I like scouting for stuff where literally I can walk through the bean field and I can see some, let's say, soybean aphids or bean leaf beetles or grasshoppers or whatever. And I go, okay, here, here's my count. Here's the threshold. Uh, yep, I pull the trigger and I have something done. With corn rootworm, there's no rescue option. You have to decide beforehand, am I going to invest in the SmartStacks Pro? Am I going to invest in insecticide? you got to decide. So all I'm saying here is when you have a lot to protect, that's where maybe it's the time to do it. At least be thinking about, okay, on my farm, where did all the neighbors plant corn? Chances are right next to that, that's where I'm going to have corn rootworms, even if I rotate it. Or think about, all right, next year I'm planning on doing three fields of continuous corn. On our farm, I will tell you, we're doing about 10 fields of continuous corn. So I know for certain I will have a massive problem there if I don't do something and probably even multiple steps. So just all things for you to think about as we move forward here into 2023. I'm excited for 2023 because I think there's lots of potential to make money on the farm. But when there is that potential, then we also have to look at the risk factors. And corn rootworm is among the tops in corn. All right, let's get back to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, Brian, this one comes in from Ron, and it is a question that we've gotten a lot of this year. I know we've addressed it a few different times, but uh, let's talk about this one. Ron says, guys, we're extremely dry. <laughs> Can soil tests taken in these extremely dry soils be inaccurate? What are some of the things that you would believe from that soil test? And what are some things that you may question and look back at previous soil tests or just wait until we get some rain and maybe in the spring, go back in those areas and do it again? Here's what I've learned in life. When you wait, usually that means you don't do it. So if you have the time to go soil test, you get it done right now. Will the numbers be as accurate as when the soil has ample moisture? No, but the only two big things that are going to be way off or could be way off are soil pH and potassium. So let's talk about each of those. 
With soil pH, when it's really dry, it'll usually read a little bit less than normal. We will figure two-tenths to five-tenths less. So in other words, let's just say that normally in ample moisture situations, I get a 6.3 pH. Well, this year it might show up 5.8, 6, 6.1, something like that. So I just need to understand that. So like on our farm, normally once we get to 6, we're going to lime. Well, this year we probably aren't going to lime unless we're down to 5, 8, 5, well, 5, 7, I think was our cutoff. So I, I, that, that's real easy to take into account. On the potassium thing, um, it's going to probably read a little bit lower than normal. But here's the thing. Even in normal moisture conditions, Darren and I get soil samples every single day sent to us from all over the country and, quite frankly, around the world. I would say conservatively, 95% of the time, the potassium levels are I'm not going to say too low, but I am going to say they are certainly not high by our standards. 95% of the time. So my point is, if your reading looks a little low and you put on a little more potassium than you might normally, it's not going to hurt you. So it's fine. Grand, grand total summary here, keep testing. Don't worry about it. Everything's okay. Just kind of take those two factors into account. Yeah, the big thing on this soil sampling thing is also looking for variability out in your farms, and and we talk about it a lot. We we do a lot of grids on a really small basis. I get it. That's probably not practical for every single person out there to start doing their whole farm right. this way, but you need well, to start doing one field, yes. and you learn from that, and you say, okay, you know what? There's more variability out here than I thought. We actually took a, a field of mine that was a 60-acre field, did great big grids, then did smaller grids, and then did smaller grids yet, and I know what enough of our workshops we've talked about wow we would have put lime on half the field and then all of a sudden we realized oh it's just in these little areas that we need it and if we did it in other areas it was actually going to hurt us so try it on a small basis and and see what you learn on your farm as well get back to more of your ag phd mailbag questions right after this You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact eMERGE planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its corn head should be the same. 
especially when it costs you yield. Drago cornheads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears, self-adjusting duck plates save kernels, longer knife rollers reduce trash, and aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other cornhead works like a Drago or pays you back like one. See more features and find your Drago dealer at dragotech.com. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, and we welcome your calls and agronomic questions. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Uh, got, got an email. This one comes from Brian down in Texas, and he said, All right, guys, uh, get a different crop and a couple different weeds than you're normally talking about here. Uh, and... Actually, this must have gotten buried in the mailbox, Brian, because this one's been there for a little bit. So I apologize uh, to uh, Brian in Texas for getting getting back to you a little slow on this. said, I've got Devil's Claw and Nightshade in cowpeas. My cowpeas at this time, the time he sent the email, he said we're already 6 to 12 inches tall, just finding anything labeled in cowpeas. Just wondering what are some active ingredients that we might track down and and see if we've got some things that could be labeled in cowpeas. All right, so first of all, let's talk about devil's claw. Uh, that's a weed that you have to treat early. And I know here's some products that I think about with, with devil's claw. Uh, Bassagran is labeled. I know that's one of Brian's favorite ones here because we say it needs to be hot and hopefully humid he's, too. He's joking about to, the to make that thing, work, and so. we just don't get that up here enough. And that's why Brian's like, ah, I know it can work in ideal conditions. We just don't get ideal conditions for Bassagran. Now in Texas, Brian, they get a little hotter than us, so that's yeah, one thing less to watch. Humid, though. So, so uh, uh, to this question, uh, Bassagran's labeled on a lot of different crops. That might be one you look at, or maybe even Varis where you've got uh, Bassagran in combination with Raptor. That, that is also labeled for devil's claw, but you've got to get it by the time it's three or four inches tall or you're too late. So that would be a, a couple of post-emerge things. I know that the guys with small grains like Husky, uh, that's one that has worked. So that HPPD family has been helpful in addition to the Buckdrill that's in Husky. That's not going to help you out very much for cowpeas, but just in your crop rotation to be aware. Um, 
when we think about pre-emerge wait, products. Wait, 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 wait. You said it's not going to help you out very much for cowpeas. Yeah, yeah, in cowpeas. You cannot right, use it You can't it use in it in cowpeas. cowpeas. That's oh, what okay. I'm saying. Okay. You have to use it in rotational crops. And I know some people say, well, what about Roundup, you know, for burn down and whatnot? Two applications of Roundup, a lot of the data I've seen, Brian, maybe 80% control. So it kind of reminds me of, in, in our geography, just how Roundup is done on um, – Creeping Jenny or field bindweed, even two applications were only maybe able to clean up 80%. So looking at some of the pre-emerge options that, that could be labeled in broadleaf crops, sulfentrazone or the Spartan or um, Authority products, that would be uh, a, a something I would start with because I, I think about this like any broadleaf weed. If I can use my pre-emerge herbicides, I'm going to do that. I know the yellows aren't very effective on devil's claw, but they would help you a bit on your nightshade. Uh, so keep in mind, you got both of those weeds. We like our three pre strategy and soybeans on the nightshade where we've got some metribuzin in there, which I don't believe is labeled in your cowpeas. Uh, but uh, you could at least use one of the PPOs and also add a yellow in there. Again, yellow is not a big deal in the devil's club, but it could help you on the nightshade a little bit. Post emerge on the nightshade. If you can use Raptor or uh, Pursuit or Varisto, those kind of combinations, that would be really helpful for you. If you can use Femesifen, uh, or that'd be like Reflex or Flexstar, those products are pretty decent on exactly. Nightshade post-emerge too. Yes, yes, they're real good on Nightshade. That's what I was going to say. I don't... I. I I didn't get a chance to check. I'm pretty sure it's Flex, it's Reflex, not Flexstar, that's going to be labeled in cowpeas. But anyway, that Femesifen active ingredient... That's going to be great on nightshade. It's going to be. It's going to have activity. It's on small nightshade. Clock. Small nightshade. Well, again, this is the same thing. Yeah. And, and if you can use uh, imazethapir or imazamox, that'd be your pursuit or your raptor active ingredients. Those are really good on nightshade pre-emerge. Yeah, pre-emerge uh, and very early post. Yeah. yeah, really, really early post. If you're going to try and get them. So that'd be give you a few active ingredients anyway to, to track down and see what's labeled in cowpeas. That's not a crop we're growing on our farm, but uh, we get a lot of similar crops, and those are active ingredients that are safe. Other than I mentioned the husky that could get used in uh, some other crops, but for sure not in cowpeas. Yeah, so it is reflex. It's labeled in cowpeas. That's what I assumed. All right. Thanks for the question, Brian. We really appreciate that. I got this one from Matthew, another crop that we don't grow here. He said, I'm curious if you guys have any knowledge about stevia and what crops would be good in a rotation with stevia. I'm planting it as an annual crop for now. And I, I get it when you say that, Matt. I appreciate it because it is a perennial plant, uh, often grown as an annual and harvested uh, as a, well, the end use being as a sweetener, I think, unless there's some other end uses I'm not familiar with. I do know a little bit just that, you know, when we're looking at an herb that's kind of a broadleaf type crop, that gives me an idea of what I might want to rotate with it. And uh, just looking at the, the cold tolerance on stevia uh, from everything that I read and hear that it actually tolerates the cold fairly well. Uh, so it's got a pretty decent growing season to it. Uh, 
So when I think about anything that's that's more of a broadleaf type crop, I, I like rotating to grasses where I possibly could. Now, I don't know where you're at because uh, you didn't say what geography you're in and what options there are. Uh, but maybe uh, if you wanted to email us back and pick a few of the options that you say, hey, what about this or this or this? I'd just look at grasses as being a good option because when you think about pests, and again, I don't know where you're at. Uh, but I know a lot of folks uh, raising stevia will talk about slugs. If you're irrigated, you're in an area that has a lot of humidity. Uh, if you're in a no-till situation, slugs can be a problem. Uh, where we're at in more of a drier climate, aphids would be more of a an issue that we would be worried about for that particular crop. Uh, so rotating into to something where you're going to have some different pests and uh, get away from those things. That would be a good thing. So my, something to think about, you know, the slugs, if you've got that in your area, then that's going to change everything where you're you're going to want to be able to um, do some tillage probably or or maybe have some gaps in between where you're raising that crop. Just something. Slugs are no fun to, to fight. I'm glad we don't. That's one of the benefits about being in a drier growing environment. We don't don't normally see many slugs out there. In fact, I've only seen them just a couple of times ever on our farm. Uh, so, Matt, with the question on growing stevia, for me, I just look at those grass-type crops if there's something you can make some money on uh, that you could raise in your area. If you got follow-up questions, please let us know. I, again, I don't know where you're at, so that, that kind of changes the response to that. All right, Brian, uh, a question that I had came in here from... Um, TP and uh, asking about, we were talking about neonics and I know we were talking about how there was something that happened in the Pacific Northwest and all of a sudden the the ban on neonics got started and he's wondering if um, he was thinking that happened in Washington, actually it was in the state of Oregon that there was uh, an application of neonics, it was off-label, uh, it was applied uh, to a tree in a Wait, parking whoa, lot that whoa, was whoa. blooming. Are, are you sure it, it was off-label? I don't know yeah. that it was. Oh, yeah, it okay. wasn't wasn't labeled. You're not labeled to spray something in full bloom when there's bees around. That's exactly the spot where you don't want to do things. And it was sprayed in a parking lot, and you know a landscaping company was doing this. It just there are just a lot of things there that weren't hmm. weren't ideal in the situation. There, yeah, I I pretty certain. I thought it was. I'm pretty certain it was. Labeled. I don't believe so. But here's the reason. Okay, so whether it was or it wasn't, Darren brings up a good point not spraying when stuff is is flowering. Okay, is that realistic? I want you to think about the labels with some of these neonic insecticides, foliar, in let's just say soybeans. There are people that will say, all right, let's use this combination of neonic and pyrethroid, and we'll use that for soybean aphids. And I go, whoa, 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 no way. You're flowering in soybeans, number one. So you've got the risk for bees, number two. And number three, why do you even need that? Why do you need the neonic? We got plenty of other insecticides for similar or less money that will do an excellent job on killing soybean aphids or whatever whatever bug you have. So here's our point. With the neonic products, sometimes as farmers, we have to, sure, I understand there's the label out there and there are cases where we can use products. But we have to be smart and we have to think about environmentally and just what, what other issues we're causing. It's just like atrazine. We tell you never, ever use atrazine pre-emerge. Do not do it. It's way too much risk for groundwater contamination. We just have to be smart about some of these things. Even if they are labeled, why put 
ourselves and our entire industry at risk. So please don't use Neonix post-emerge on any crop. Use it for seed treatment. Then you're pretty safe for the whole bee thing, and hopefully we aren't going to lose the Neonic because uh, we need it for insecticide control or for insect control. Well, thanks for the question. We appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.